Central Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. In Afghanistan, we've taken 20 years to lose to goat herds with fertilizer. And they're not even waiting until we leave to loot Bagram Air Base for basketballs and boom boxes. And the world's most lavishly funded and entirely useless general staff thinks we need more diversity seminars. So that's Mark Stein uh, filling in last night on Fox. He's really good and a good writer, but he is making his argument was we spend too much time in our military Worried about uh, political correctness now. You remember the thing? What was the thing last week that uh, General Milley was on? Oh, critical race theory. Um, right. But, and whether uh, recommending reading that was a good idea or not. See, I'm I'm leaning toward getting out of Afghanistan and have been for about 15 years. Uh, so I'll be interested to see what our next guest has to say. We always go to Mike Lyons, but we want to know this stuff. But this is from The Onion. Somebody sent this. This is from The Onion in 2011. Ten years ago. This is on the 10-year anniversary of being in Afghanistan. The Onion headline was, and remember, The Onion is a joke newspaper. Parody, parody, parody. The Onion headline was, U.S. quietly slips out of Afghanistan in dead of night. And there are some reports that that's what we did just a couple (laughs) nights ago, leaving the Air Force Base and not telling anybody, and just, we're out. Well, let's talk to military analyst Mike Lyons, who served with various military organizations in both the United States and Europe throughout his career. Uh, he is a, a student of history, military history in particular, and we always enjoy his perspective. Mike, how are you, sir? Hey, guys. So great to be back with you. We have no problem with being corrected on any of our beliefs, assumptions, or things we know about what's going on anywhere in the world. What What is currently happening in Afghanistan? Is it a good thing or a bad thing? Well, first of all, I do agree we should have been out maybe five years ago. I think Donald Trump should have made it a priority of his administration when he first got elected and just uh, basically gave everybody the Heisman and said, this is what we're doing. Um, The military-industrial complex, though, wasn't finished testing equipment, wasn't finished. You know, the Army still didn't have a mission, couldn't figure out, you know, how they were going to make that happen. Um, I think it's. I do think it's the right thing. It's going to be back to the future, though. We're going to go back to 1999 and 2001 very quickly. The Civil War will start. Uh, the Taliban now controls something like 80% of the land districts in, in the country already. Without wow. even just giving up the air base. Yeah. And so, and the, you know, the, the, the military's gone. The contractors are still being gone. You're going to see, unfortunately, we can't vet any of these interpreters. That, that, that plan is going to go out the window. So there's going to be a lot of people that trusted us uh, that are going to end up losing their lives when the Taliban takes over here. But again, it, it probably should have happened years ago, to your point. Wow. Hey, can we uh, take a look at that specific subject, the vetting of the interpreters? You don't think it's going yeah. to actually happen, and you don't think their, their necks are going to be saved? No. I, you know, we're gonna, we talk a good game about it. It's all words. I, I just, it's just not going to happen. It just, it just can't logistically happen. The amount of people that that's involved with, and people are going to slip through the cracks. So there's going to be reports of that in the future. The question is whether or not the Taliban is going to go after those folks. And, 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 and you know, I think, you know, U.S. embassy might be safe. I don't think you're going to see a complete Saigon situation where we're going to, you know, escape from helicopter roofs there and whether or not they want to go after them. But it's going to happen. And the, the, the number we're talking about is just too big of a logistical challenge. There's more people in that group than there are soldiers that are there to try to get out of there in the next two months. So and their family. So it's just not going to happen. And it's an unfortunate thing that uh, we should have planned for a long time ago. God, I would say so. So uh, so how do we go into another country and get people to help us if we uh, if we leave these interpreters behind to be killed, maybe along with their families? 
Yeah, I think we're out of countries that we're going to go into and have that situation. I, we haven't learned from this one. Again, I, I just don't know what else to say here. Um, we saw, you know, this is Vietnam in some ways over and over, except we didn't have 150 body bags coming back every week. Um, we just don't seem to learn our mistakes here from these kinds of interactions. I, mean, I really don't see us doing it, I think, in the next few years, regardless of, of administration. Now the question is how... You know, what is China do is, is trying to become more bellicose in the South China Sea. We saw the comments by uh, their leader the other day. I mean, they're talking about, you know, smashing heads and things like that. So, I, you know, the military is going to have to kind of regroup here and kind of figure out what's the Army's mission going forward. First of all, we know the Navy's going to project power. I just think the days, as Dick Cheney, I think, said about 15 years ago, the days of us occupying countries with the intent of trying to deliver democracy and, and, and uh, capitalism are just over. Well, good. Uh, before we move on to China and geopolitics in general, one more thought on Afghanistan. I was a little surprised that, you know, at some point Biden or, or Trump or somebody did, didn't say, look, it's not a war anymore. It's a strategically important part of the globe, so we're going to have a big old base there, so we're ready to move when we need to. Why not that a statement that straightforward, or do you think the geopolitical need isn't that strong? Yeah, I think two reasons. First of all, our messaging has been awful when it's come to Afghanistan. And, and you know, we were out September 11th. Looks like we're going to be out here in two weeks for all practical purposes. The the commander there, Scotty Miller, is uh, someone that, that knew the mission from the beginning, didn't realize, knew it didn't have a timetable. So I think that was the first thing. But I think the second reason is because we've just built this over-the-horizon standoff military now where we don't feel – that we need logistical bases in places like this. I think we're going to be proven wrong. I think that that would have been a great idea to keep this air base and keep these kind of lily pads that exist either in the ocean or in, in certain land masses because we'd have no friends now in that part of the world. Uh, we don't have any in Pakistan. We're not doing anything, obviously, in India and, and the like. And Diego Garcia is a long, long ways away, and we still have B-52s there. I, I think, I think again, you know, we, we, we've built this over-the-horizon military with drones, and we've, we're taking the human element out of it, and I think that's how we say we're going to defend. I think it's going to prove to be foolhardy when it comes to strategic things that are going to take place in the future, and we're going to need to put people on the ground. Boy, that's troubling. But in general, uh, is this pivot that Barack Obama talked about and kind of started and then Trump kind of continued, it's amazing how slow it is. is the, so you think this is the right thing to do? We just Let's stop talking about these sand countries. We produce our own oil now. And let's right. look at the real threat to the future, like the next hundred years, China. So that just that general pivot of our attention, you think, is a good idea? It is. It's overdue. And I think, um, you know, the, given this century, the question is, is this another American century or does it become the century of the Chinese and those, some of those countries and, and, and how what's Russia's role in that? Um, I, what's you look at, the, again, the South China Sea, our Navy is going to continue to project power. For some reason, we're now screwing around in the Black Sea with Russia trying to, you know, bring up Ukraine, too. That's another issue that's come up on this week in here. But but really, the focus, I think, everybody I talked to in the Pentagon, I talked to a good friend of mine the other day. He's actually back at the Armed Services Committee, the Senate Armed Services Committee, back in the desk, and he's back at the China desk. And I'm just glad he's there because he's a smart guy, and, and he, he says that's exactly where our focus has got to be, at least for the next four years. Build up enough military presence there that projects enough power that the Chinese don't want to do anything that will upset the trade balance and upset what will be the, you know, the world economy, and that's what's at risk right now. 
Military analyst Mike Lyons on the line. Mike, I realize you could probably write a 700-page book uh, about this question, the answer to the question, but uh, compare and contrast China and the U.S. in terms of military hardware and also in terms of training this actual battle experience, uh, you know, adaptability. Uh, How do the two forces compare? Well, so the last two wars, the U.S., came prepared, I, I thought, uh, both Desert Storm and then in, and in Afghanistan and the run-up in, in, in Iraq. And, and what I mean by that is we did have what was called the Task Force Smith, and that took place in Korea during the Korean War when the military was just unprepared after the Second World War. So the, the, the military has learned its lesson about preparedness and, and being ready to go right away out of the gate. What's The question is, how much hardware now do we have comparative to the Chinese? The Chinese still don't really have this great navy they have one aircraft carrier there they've got they project power in some ways but they have a much larger land force they have much more mass let's say and much more equipment and i, and I just don't see us facing off in that realm anyway um, but i do think the days of the u.s military being not prepared are over and and in some ways um, that's always going to be a good thing and if as long as we fight ferociously and fight the way uh, that we're trained to do, I, I think we'll be okay once, should something arise, you, either on, in Eastern Europe, let's say, with the Russians, or either somewhere in China, in the South China Sea. Interesting stuff, Mike. Uh, always uh, come away from these conversations wishing we could talk all day, but uh, uh, maybe we'll invite you on uh, for a podcast for a more extended conversation soon. Love to, guys. Whatever it takes. I think there's a lot going on in the world right now, for sure. Yeah, I'd say. Talking about. Amen to that. Mike Lyons, thanks so much for the time. Really interesting. America's so-called longest war is going to be just a blip in the history books, if ever talked about it all. 20 years there, all that money. Luckily, not too many lives, but, you know, if it's a loved one of yours, it's a, of obviously a very huge deal. But um, yeah. and, and, you know, outside of the first couple of years where we broke up the guys that attacked New York... What, what, what? It's just amazing the momentum of these projects. And Mike, what he said there at the very beginning, the military industrial complex wanted to test some more equipment. Right, right. You know, the really distressing part of it to me is, is what we've brought up a couple of times through the years. The messaging to the American people has to be so oversimplified to the point of being stupid that our leaders either can't or feel like they can't level with us and say, look, you know, it stopped being a war a long time ago. Now we're just trying to pop, prop up this government till they're strong enough to stand on their own. It's not looking great. We're going to stick with it for another six months. If it doesn't work, we're out. We're going to keep a base there because the region's super important. Pakistan is a bunch of maniacs with nuclear arms, and they're right next door. And if we need to jump from there, it's a good place to jump from. That That's not that complicated. But no, it's our longest war. You know, come on. I don't, uh, you know, plenty of you are that stupid. Uh, not you, not not our audience, the American people. But uh, you're not. You folks, you're obviously brilliant. But uh, come on, does, do we have to dumb down our messaging that much? I have been saying this for years with Democrats and Republicans. I don't think you're going to take the political hit you're worried about. If you get out of Afghanistan, if you no. say what Joe just said, I don't think your poll numbers are going to crash. I don't think anybody's going to run against you on that. Nobody's well, even paying I... any attention. They're going to say, okay, that's interesting. What about you know homeless or schools or whatever issue they care about? Nobody's talking about Afghanistan. Yeah, you're probably right in this case. I was going to say somebody will run against you and say, look at him, he's cutting and running. Uh, but even who that is so tired yeah, at this who, point. Who, you're right. No, I agree with you. Who right, left, or center would react to that? Cutting and running from Afghanistan. Uh, 
And if there wasn't so, weren't so much blood and treasure involved, it'd just be hilarious. Just the stupidity, again, of the, the messaging. But we it's not funny. We not to, at all. We ought to do a podcast with Laura Logan because, you know, she she went to Afghanistan all those years. And have her on to talk about the high point when they had the most miles of roads paved and the most schools open and all that stuff. The high point versus where it is now and versus where it's going to be in a year from now. Right. All that right. just completely wasted. Back when you could drive from the airport to Kabul and walk the streets and greet the locals. That was a brief period of time that we paid a lot of money for. We, U.S. taxpayers, paid a lot of money for. And just, it's over. It's gone. Well, in contrast to the dumb, dumb messaging from the government, we have an incredibly smart dad lecturing the school board on the evils of critical race theory. Yet another great example of people standing up for their kids. Yeah, we need plenty of time for that. You want to do that at the bottom we yeah, got, why don't we, we do that segment three? Yeah. We got some reactions to Michael got in a car wreck on the way to work today. We got some reactions to that that are kind of interesting, that stuff I didn't know would be worth knowing in case you're ever in a fender bender. Nobody got hurt, right, Michael? No, nobody got well, hurt. Well, we got this text. You should have gotten out, yelled, do you know who I am, taking off your shirt, and then it's on. No, yeah. I'm not going to do that. So you well, that's what things. I advocate. <laughs> Our text line, 415-295-KFTC. People living on a Cape Coral Canal got an early 4th of July show. It wasn't one you could see, but you could definitely hear it. The dogs were barking and we go outside and and this guy is screaming, I mean so loud. I knocked on every door in the area where this happened. No one admitted that this was them. Reporting in Cape Coral. Gage Golding, NBC2. <laughs> where else but Florida? That guy, as, as a person who knows inebriation, that guy sounded inebriated to me. Firecracker! Boom! Boom! Pop, pop, boom! It's annoying, isn't it? I don't blame him. That's a little uh, taking care of business. Annoying, isn't it? It's got to. We got to work that into the show somewhere. That's, <laughs> that's good. Halfsies on that. It sounds a little like Chris Farley out on a balcony in the middle of the night. Yeah, yeah really. Well done. Well done, Michael. I'm halfsies on that. Uh, number one, uh, f- I lived in one neighborhood where uh, the 4th of July was the 2nd through 7th of July. And they just fireworks going on day after day after day, day and night. And yeah, yeah, it's annoying, isn't it? Yeah, it was. It really was. On the other hand, eh, it's a little rude. You're waking up people who didn't deserve it. So I'm halfsies on that. So halfsies on that. Michael got in a wreck on the way to work. We still haven't identified uh, who's at fault here, but uh, Michael got in a wreck on the way to work. He told the story earlier in the show. Listen to hour one if you want to know about that. But so the police weren't involved at all, and we were okay. That's kind of interesting. We got a bunch of texts from people. The police will not come anymore. 
Unless there's an injury, the police do not come to Rex. Wow. And then we okay. got uh, former law enforcement saying, do not call the police. Unless there's somebody without insurance or there's somebody hurt, do not call the police. So that's... Wow, times have changed. Yeah, in the old days, you always did. But um, And uh, part of it, it, well, there's a bunch of different reasons, but one of the things is y'all can take about a gazillion pictures. You both have phones, so there's plenty of evidence there that would not have existed back in the day. Right, and it's um, pretty much a matter for the insurance companies after that anyway. Yeah. I, I think back in the day, they wanted a neutral and learned uh, description of who did what and who was at fault, I wonder, and that's why the copper was on the scene. I wonder if this is somehow not good news, the, in that the insurance company, they're going to jack up the rates for both y'all, no matter who is at fault, so the whole fault thing doesn't really matter anymore. They're going to stick it to you until the, the damage is paid for by you anyway. As I've right. found with every insurance in, uh, interaction I've had over the last 10 years. It's less about justice than who can get what. You know, which lawyers can get the most or argue the other guy down or whatever. So, yeah, mm-hmm. not good. So that's it. I did not know that. Um, uh, Michael had a perfectly good opportunity to fight somebody if they were at fault, but uh, chose to take a pass on that. You know, if I was single back in the day, I would have hoped at least I hope it's a hot woman that I hit. So that, you know, maybe romance could start. But maybe we could have some coffee and talk this over. I don't know. Exchange information. What are you going to say? I'm a, poor, I'm a poor driver, but a good lover. I mean, what's your line? Been <laughs> maybe this is fate. Exactly. Fate brought us together. Let's see what happens. Yeah. Well, good luck with that. This so, will be a great for our grandchildren. Don't worry. Women wouldn't find that creepy at all. <laughs> Uh, CRT, critical race theory, continues to royal American schools. And we have yet another parent who doesn't want it in their school. Stay tuned. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. That orange-haired runner woman continues to be on my television screen a lot, who's not going to be in the Olympics because of her uh, her smoking pot. Uh, I don't know if they just had so much invested in her being a giant star, they're going to go with it even if she's not competing or what. But uh, Well, and it's conflict and scandal, oh, right. so that's a you know, good clickbait. And, and drugs! Drugs! Ah, boy. So, uh, so much to get to, uh, including the question, has China peaked already? In really interesting analysis. In terms of power? Overall uh, bigness. Hmm. Overall potential or uh, ability to um, achieve what they want to achieve. Have I peaked in terms of bigness? That's something I'm working on also. <laughs> boy, I haven't, judging by the scale. <laughs> oh, boy. Anyway, so much good stuff to get to. Uh, I just wanted to hit this note really quickly. Following up on our conversation with Michael Lyons a little earlier this hour, if you missed it, grab the podcast at armstrongandgetty.com. But uh, Yvonne says, uh, how in the holy hell can we let illegals pour over our flipping border to the south and we can't manage to have some foresight and carefully extricate the interpreters and their families out of Afghanistan prior to our departure? Shameful. I know we'll never fix Afghanistan, but my heart breaks for these people. An exit strategy should be established before we ever enter a region with hopes of a solution. You know, and not only that, Yvonne, thanks for making the point so eloquently. We've been there for 20 years years at 
no point did anybody say, look, when we finally go, uh, what are we going to do with these interpreters? Everybody's acting like it's a last-minute crunch. Oh, there's well, not time. Well, we did this with quite a few interpreters when we pulled out of Iraq. Uh, older people have been texting us. We did this to lots of people in Vietnam. I'd hate to sound like those America-hating college kids we were playing earlier in the show, but I think this is something maybe we just do. Yeah. Well, you asked the question of Mike, are there any are we ever going to be able to get people to work with us and trust us again? And my my unspoken thought was only if they haven't heard about all the times we screw the people who did. Yeah. It's shameful. It's a it it is shameful and we ought to change it and do better at it. But anyway, moving along. Uh this gentleman's name is Ian Rice. It, it's funny. I can't remember where this clip is from and and we've uh, been fruitless in finding it. If you can figure it out, you can text us 415 uh, 295-KFTC, is that right? How'd that number flit out of my head? 415-295-KFTC. That is okay. All right, that's correct. I just lack confidence. Anyway, uh, this uh, gentleman uh, was standing up in front of his uh, school board where they're teaching the awful critical race theory, and uh, it's probably worth knowing he is a black man. Clip 41, please. Hey, my name's Ian Rice. I've got two children here in the California School District. Um... It's very apparent here by all of the parents that have spoken that this board and the school district is failing. Mm-hmm. Um, more importantly, uh, I came here to talk about critical race theory. This theory was never meant to be brought into grade schools, high schools, at all. It's actually taught in the collegiate atmosphere. And more importantly, the legal portion of the collegiate atmosphere to see different laws through the lens of race from an ethics and, 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 and an ethical standpoint, right? Not for grade schools and high schoolers. The problem with bringing it to high school and grade school level is that we don't have the educators to properly teach these kids. Instead, they're using it as their own agenda to indoctrinate the kids to hate each other. And whether you believe that to be true or not, the reality is that's what's happening. Yeah. Yeah, Why don't, we'll just let them roll along, clip 42. Critical race theory is teaching that white people are bad. That's not true. That would teach my daughter that her mother is evil. You already have an educator within your staff that has pulled my daughter aside and said, well, you're a minority, so you know better than to engage in certain things. When I was brought to the school's attention, nothing happened to the educator. Instead, my daughter was brought in, and she was ridiculed. I'm telling you, there is stuff going on in your public schools, my friends, you have no idea And of. the denial of it on the MSNBCs of the world is just, uh, I don't I don't know if they don't know what's going on. I have, I have a feeling it's ignorance more than anything else. I just, I don't think they understand. It's just like that General Milley a week ago. I don't think he knows what critical race theory is. I think or he doesn't people, understand how it's being used on the ground a lot of the in the people, schools. I think a lot of the people standing up for it don't know what it is. Yeah, well, and you, or, then again, you get like the, you said, how it's being used. Then you get the tribal enthusiasm going. I just read some more about the, uh, the Washington Post's complete uh, about-face on the Wuhan lab leak theory and how they're now attempting to beat their chests and beat the drums loudest to cover up the fact that they aggressively, some might say viciously, attacked anybody who dared breathe that the the circumstantial evidence was very, very strong for the lab leak theory. Um, just, it's, 
You have people who have such tribal enthusiasm, they will shout down anybody who asks probing questions. Anyway, we'll let Mr. Rice uh, continue in clip 43. So my question is now, with critical race theory being brought in, what is your criteria to educate the educators? And who are you to educate my children, or any of our children, in life issues? That's our job. Yes. Your job is to teach them math and science. Our job is to teach them about life. And 44. I believe racial issues and tensions across the U.S. are nowhere near what they used to be decades ago. Do we have a long way to go? Sure. Do we still have individuals out there that need to be taught? Absolutely. But I believe the people here don't look at me as a black man. They look at me as a man standing in front of you addressing the issue that we all are very passionate about. There is, thankfully, growing awareness of this uh, this insidious philosophy and, and the way it's being taught to the children and how it's being used by people who just want to tear everything down and, and build back a socialist uh, utopia. And what's really frustrating about it is it's virtually silenced the incredible work that's been done now for decades and decades of trying to make sure every single American, uh, black, brown, white, or whatever, fully realizes their civil rights and and their uh, and the opportunities this country offers. I feel like that's been derailed by this crazy marxist crap. And when when and getting back to Chicago, people are getting slaughtered in our, our inner cities, particularly black people, young black people, and they're not getting educated and their schools suck and the rest of it. There's an acute need. The patient is 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 hemorrhaging and we're arguing about this idiotic philosophy over here instead of dealing with the real nitty gritty of the problems in America's uh, cities. It's awful. Yeah, as we mentioned earlier, 100 shot in Chicago over the weekend, 18 killed. 18 or 12. Yeah. Uh, but 100 shot, no arrests, which is just amazing. Yeah, 18 killed. No arrests. You know, Chicago is, a, never mind the Windy City or, or the town the Cubs rule or anything. It's going to be known as like the greatest wellspring of trauma surgeons on earth. All country states are just going to send all their surgeons to Chicago because they know they'll operate on so many gunshot wounds, they'll get really good at it. Then, they, you know, well, they'll import them back in to deal with the domestic crowd. I'm just looking at headlines coming across. Chinese researchers propose deflecting Armageddon asteroids with rockets. So that's exciting. Uh, sending rockets up to intercept uh, asteroids. There, where was I? Was it, uh, I think, at the San Diego Zoo? Um, looking at some display of ancient beasts. And there's the asteroid that hit 65 million years ago that wiped out, I think, 90% of all living things on Earth. And that's what killed off all the dinosaurs. But there that's was a, a bad day. That was a bad day. But there was another one that nobody talks about, and it was much more recent, like 100,000 years ago or something, that, that wiped out a whole bunch of other species that uh, that exist that we don't even talk about. There, A couple of times, Earth has been hit by asteroids where it wiped out a lot of living things. And uh, and we don't want it to you know wipe us out as human beings because we're smart enough to intercept this. So it's not a joke thing, even though it sounds kind of a jokey to think, hey, we have the ability to see this coming now. Let's do something about it. The dinosaurs woefully unprepared. Their Com- telescopes were were primitive at best. Completely, yeah, the cavemen. Or there right. were no cavemen yeah. at that point, but no, there weren't, sir. In spite of the nineteen seventies children's classic, Land of the Lost, which I loved. Oh, what a great what show. What if my that kids was. would like With that? The sleigh stacks. Oh. <laughs> so awesome.
And they always <laughs> almost escaped, but they didn't quite make it. Oh, oh, from the land of the lost. Yeah. Right? It was some sort of time travel conundrum, as I recall. Really, or... very similar to Gilligan's Island, and it's so close to getting off so many oh, times. Damn it! You just never could quite pull it off. Yeah. What else was I going to say? Oh, I hope the Chinese experimenting with uh, doomsday uh, asteroid rockets goes as well as their Chinese experimenting with enhanced virus experiments. Oh, boy. So I tweeted this like the day we went on vacation a week and a half ago. I tweeted out that this is what we've been waiting for. And more or less, it was the New York Times with a long opinion piece from a very learned doctor who had looked at this from every angle and uh, and laid it all out in the most detail I've seen yet of what happened. And it's very clear, uh, as, as I think most smart people know by now, this was uh, scientists experimenting with the worst viruses on the planet and one got away. Mm-hmm. And then they tried to cover it up with the help of the United States and the World Health Organization because they were all embarrassed about it or didn't want to research to end or whatever. But as John Stewart pointed out on Colbert, and I, I haven't heard anybody else point this out, we should talk about this more as a man-made disaster. This was not just something that happened to us. We humans created this. Right. The worst human mistake in history. World history. Let's not do it again. And we've done this seven, eight times in the last 20 years, just usually on a much smaller level. But seven or eight times, we've let really bad viruses get loose, usually in China, and uh, and kill people and cover it up, and then we just keep doing it. Unless we can nail down a way to stop doing, letting these escape, eh, we really should rethink whether or not this is a good idea. Well, they say every single SARS outbreak was a lab leak. Right. Which is just a stunning. Oh, the other thing in that uh, journalistic pile of excrement that that really bothered me. I have it around here somewhere, but I, I can't be bothered. Is um, they claim none, no new facts have emerged in the last you know six to nine months, but attitudes have changed, and now the the, the lab leak theory is getting fresh new scrutiny. No, there was it. Uh, who did a great piece on this the other day? Uh, maybe it was the New York Times. No, Newsweek did it. Long story about the amateur sleuths who got together on the Internet and embarrassed the media by uncovering the truth, going to obscure scientific papers coming out of China, by going into the archives of the Wuhan uh, uh, lab, by examining all sorts of data sets from researchers who didn't tie it together, but they figured out, oh, that was from the cave in China. They did amazing work. There have been mountains of facts that have been uncovered. But for the WAPO, it was all about pantsing Trump, and now about trying to hide the fact that they pants themselves. And they're still not truly interested in, in the incredible detective work that's been done, in my opinion. I feel like just on a larger level, without blaming the Chinese or anybody, the world needs to say, no more doing this until we can make sure that we can contain these things. We can't right, we're just this. not good enough at it. No, clearly, clear, maybe it's something that can't be done. And if it's something that can't be done that is, study these things and keep them from escaping, then let's stop doing it. What's the point of preparing for the worst virus that gets loose if every couple of years you release one? It well, and, ma- and they're not really coming from natural uh, sources very often. I, I grant you they do occasionally. But Ebola, et cetera. But, but at least so far, it seems like the studying for the worst case has been way worse than just waiting for a naturally worse case to occur. I agree completely. It's not even close. So, right. let's, hey, scientists, let's stop doing this. 
Of course, us saying this and other people saying this is the exact reason that Fauci and a whole bunch of other scientists wanted to cover this up, because they didn't want to stop this research. Right. They thought it was valuable. Maybe they're right. Maybe they're wrong. And they were the people who advocated it happening and therefore were the most aggressive in covering it up, including Peter Daszak, who the Washington Post held up as some brilliant arbiter of all that is good and scientific, even as he was the guy with his hand in the cookie jar. Unbelievable. Anyway, you know, here's an interesting mental exercise. How would the world have reacted? If Marco Rubio had been the president, for instance, and there wasn't that that hardcore polarization, that that whole Trump era fever pitch. I don't know. I think we would have all turned on China hard. I think. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny. More and more things from that WAPO article are jumping back into my mind, including the fact that they're urging a a rigorous examination of of China and, and demanding that they comply and blah, 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 and ignoring their own complicity in helping China cover up the truth and giving China time. To cover up the truth. The American media was absolutely the most, the single most valuable tool in covering up the truth of the Wuhan lab leak. No doubt. Absolutely no doubt. Nice job, idiots. Um, <laughs> um, I almost I almost dropped an unfortunate uh, word into the show, and I'm glad I restrained myself. USA Today with a deep dive in one of the worst kept secrets in, the, in America, or I thought so anyway, that all those massage parlors are whorehouses uh, all across America and every Frank t- talk. Pra- practically every town in America. Uh, maybe we'll get to that in hour three. Lots to talk about today. Text line 415-295-KFTC. Armstrong and Getty. Show. Are you proud to be an American? No. I feel embarrassed to be an American every day. I think that's a complicated question for me. I think I I I think most of the time no, at least over like the past four years. Um, it's been tricky to you know love to be an American. Halfsies on that? Like, partly, because, like, I feel like there's certain topics where it's, like, very controversial, but, like, I don't know. I would honestly rather kind of live somewhere else. I'm not looking forward to when my kids are in college Duh. and they talk like that. <laughs> I mean, I'm, uh, Hopefully they won't have that feeling because they will, they, will, they will have grown up with me as a dad, so they can't be quite that far down the road. I don't think that's possible, even with the teachers. And my son's in private school, so he's not going to hear a lot of that crap. But, halfsies on that? Halfsies on that? <laughs> I, I like I like clip 55. Let's hit that real quick. Have you ever considered moving to another country? Oh, absolutely. I think I had joked about it. I, like, joked, but was, you know, fully serious. Like, oh, I'm going to move to Canada. Yeah, I mean... I personally, I'm the type of person that likes to help people, so I was, I would actually consider going someplace like more with more poverty. Yeah, probably. <laughs> would you be willing to give up your U.S. citizenship? Yeah, I mean, um, it's not that necessary. I mean, I can still take vacations here. All you know, right. this You're reminds me of my... idiots. What are we listening to this? Uh, this is. I mean, I'm. Uh, 
God, that's going to make me insane. Hopsies oh. on that. This is America's elite kids in yeah. Georgetown. Yeah. I mean, this is unbelievable. Some of them are probably photoshopped pole vaulters, but... I mean, this is these are rich kids. These are educated kids. You know, it's, it goes back to my great unifying theory of societies that they veer from guardrail to guardrail and they hit the sweet spot, but have no idea they've hit it, and so they continue to go till they hit the other guardrail. Uh, we we did teach kind of a sunshine up your hiney version of American history for a long time in this country, and 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 you know it has its role because we need to hang together, and there's nothing wrong with everybody being uh, uh, excited about and proud of their country. It's necessary to defend it because we did face existential threats in the 20th century. Having said that, you know, there are some sins that probably ought to be looked at and dealt with honestly, but we've gone way past that point to now college kids are just taught that Howard Zinn pile of garbage. I've always said that and I've believed it, but now I'm starting to think, has any country ever decided, you know what we're going to do? We're going to focus on our flaws. We're going to focus entirely on our flaws so that we can become better. Has anybody ever done that and seen if it worked? Maybe, Not that I'm aware of. I don't think anybody's ever done it before. Every, uh, every, I think every other country in, issue, in, in history has thought, why would we focus on our flaws? Let's focus on our strength and ignore our flaws and just march forward. Kids, let's talk about everything that's wrong with mommy. Okay? Or, or <laughs> the principal has come to class. I'm going to tell you everything that's wrong with your teacher. We'll focus on that for a while and then let her teach. That reminds me, my dad always told this story of teacher he had in school who said, I want you to all write down your opinion of me. Like, I want you to be completely honest your opinion of me. And that she was crying by the end of the school oh, day. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, what a horrible thing. That's, a, that's not a good story. No, that's terrible. Oh, gee, money. <laughs> oh, that is just awful. Um, <laughs> People are awful. Keep that in mind as you go about your day. If you like uh, massage parlors that stay open all night long with the neon signs out front, those kind of things. Hey, I get tense. <laughs> I get I tense. I need a little, a little shoulder rub. Stay tuned. Armstrong and Getty.